Welcome to the Forthright Women podcast, where we're dedicated to revealing what keeps women leaders successful and sane. We address challenges like being an executive mom, enabling more women to rise, and fueling our own minds, bodies, and spirits. These conversations are unapologetically real, insightful, and from forthright women themselves. Let's do it. Hello, forthright women. This episode you're about to hear originally aired on our other podcast, Marketing Smarts. We thought this community would appreciate it too, as it contains rich and relevant insights to help keep all of you female leaders successful and sane. So let's get to it. Welcome to Marketing Smarts. I am Ann Candido. And I am April Martini. And today we're going to talk about how writing a book can actually stimulate your marketing efforts. Now, with the rise in popularity of short-form content creation like podcasts, blogs, video, and social, there's actually a lot of debate about the role of long-form content like books. This is especially true in the business community where many will argue, do we really need another business book on leadership or marketing or branding or you name it? But we would definitely say yes. And not just because I've written my own book, which is The Superhighway of Relevancy, Getting More People to Choose Your Brand More Often Than Definitely, available on Amazon. Nice plug. Thank you. Um, But because a book can be a useful tool for establishing credentials, ideology, as well as it gives you a tool to promote yourself. And before you hit stop, because you're thinking to yourself, I don't have the time or the energy or the money to write a book, and even if I did, I don't know where to begin, we are going to talk through how Anne wrote and published her book in less than a year and $1,000 in the trenches. So stay tuned for that. Don't miss it. And also don't dismiss us just because of that. Yes, absolutely. But it's not going to just be me talking about my book, which would get very boring very quickly. We actually have amazing person, Nikki Nash, who is going to talk about her book as well. And she is all about the marketing your genius brand. So Nikki, would you like to introduce yourself to all of our listeners? Yes. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Of course. Awesome. And why don't you say a little bit about your book, just to give everybody the context of uh, what, what your book is and what it's about. Yeah. So my name is Nikki Nash and I am a marketing expert and have been in the game for, I don't even know how long, but over a decade and a half. And my book, Market Your Genius, I wrote specifically for the entrepreneur that's looking to generate more leads and get more dream clients in their business, as well as position themselves as that go-to industry expert. And so it's really my step-by-step guide for um, entrepreneurs who would love to really up their marketing game. That's awesome. And I know you're going to have lots of input, not only about marketing your book, but also writing your book. So we're so thrilled to have you here. So let's get started. And we'll begin with the first element of how writing a book can stimulate your marketing efforts. And that is it establishes credibility. And it's really interesting because there's something really still very prestigious in saying you're a published author. And actually, you can say that and not even like sell a book. Now, (laughs) it it, is always beneficial, you know, if you become a New York Times bestseller. I mean, that doesn't hurt. But it's actually the action of completing a book that actually gives you that prestige. And it's because there's some inferred expertise from that. If you publish a book on it, people think they actually know something about it. Now, there's two types of ways that authors tend to write, especially business books. So one is a curator. And the other is a firsthand expert. So let me give you a couple of examples of what this looks like. So a curator would be, as an example, Brendan Burchard, which I've talked about before, I have a lot of respect for, and his book, High Performance Habits. 
Jay Shetty, on the other hand, who we've also talked about before in his book, Think Like a Monk, is more of a firsthand expert. Now, both have created massive brands and businesses, but they've done it in very different ways. So Brenda's book, on one hand, is a a curation of expertise of people that he interviewed and talked to who have these philosophies that he then developed themes from. So he really synthesized other people's experiences to create his own point of view. Now, that takes really a lot of extensive time and research. Jay Shetty, on the other hand, was able to translate his firsthand experience into practical knowledge for anyone. And that was his experience of being a monk and how that's applied now in life. And he gives your, you perspective and um, a, a, a framework for how to think through that. Now, in theory, it's easier if it's more of a firsthand experience because you don't have to rely on others to, you know, as much to get it done. But both require a tremendous amount of thought and process and execution, which we're going to get to in a little bit. But regardless of the path you choose, using your book as a basis to establish your authority on a topic can be really, really helpful to differentiate you from others and really get people to choose you. Now, Nikki, I'd love for you to share with everybody your perspective on how how you chose the, the process for which you write your book. Obviously, you are an expert, and that's your firsthand expertise. But can you explain a little bit about how you approach that and how that's helped you to establish credibility? Absolutely. And I think for me, um, one of the things that was incredibly helpful was that I put in a book things that I had been speaking about and teaching mm-hmm. for years. Mm-hmm. And I would say that it, it was very much a kind of firsthand experience um, as you were sharing more in that kind of Jay Shetty light. Um, though to give a separate shout out to Brendan Bouchard, um, his book uh, about marketing was more of the firsthand experience one. It's, I think it's really millionaire messenger, I think is the name of the book, but um, I wrote it kind of in that vein where I'm sharing um, my experiences, um, things that I've worked on with clients and, and really saying, Hey, I've taught this a million times. I know what people's biggest questions are. And I want to put those answers into a book Mm -hmm. so that they can pick it up and read it anytime. And um, I, I think that was my ultimate process to answer your question around structuring the book and and thinking through it. And then what do you think like since then, right? Because it's a newer release book. So you're probably in the process of experiencing what that's like, what's the feedback, you know, we've talked a little bit about credibility, like what has been the response to you writing the book? Yeah. So one of the things that's incredibly helpful from a, a business perspective and even a branding and credibility perspective is that I have the opportunity to say, oh, you want to know what I do or you're interested in who I am. I wrote this book or here's this book. Mm -hmm. And what's so great for people who take the time to physically write a book and put it together is that even if it feels like a lot of people have written a book, the vast majority of people have not written a book. And so just the fact that you put time, energy, and effort on one topic raises your credibility and, and sets you up higher than other folks. And when it's a really great book or a book that people get a a lot of value out of, it raises the stakes even more. And so for me, some of the things that I've noticed is I have had more engagement from people, you know, folks that are reading the book are DMing me on Instagram or Facebook, primarily Instagram. And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm reading the book. I learned this, or this is so exciting. And, and what's great is oftentimes they're um, not expecting me to write back, but I respond to people. So it's, it's building that relationship even further. So I think there's absolutely that credibility piece and it's the opportunity to build relationships with people who may, um, buy more things from you in the future. 
Yeah. And I think that's so smart because, you know, Anne mentioned the long form at the beginning of this. And I think it's it's interesting when you get those comments, because when you have a book, there's a lot more opportunity for different types of feedback from folks, which I think then does help to build that relationship that you're talking about individually with each one. Because I think part of, you know, when you make a post that everybody likes or you write a blog that everyone likes, right, there's kind of like one key message or a couple key takeaways that people respond to. But when it's a whole book, I think personally, it must be so interesting to hear the different feedback and then, yes, the delight of the response of you answering them because you have this credibility now is this really big deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I think it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning where it's like, do we really need another book on marketing? And the answer is yes. And the reason why is because people hear things differently coming from different people. Mm -hmm. Like um, I remember somebody using the analogy of like, if somebody told you that you needed um, to lose weight, do you hear that better from your husband or do you hear that better from an actual like person who's a nutritionist or like, you know, somebody in the health (laughs) field, right? Good analogy. So, yeah. So, you know, it's like, and, and it doesn't mean like somebody's right and somebody's wrong. It just means that somebody's perspective and their context and their experience adds a level of richness that um, is varied. And and you might relate better to one person than you do to the other in receiving that message. So I think that's incredibly beneficial um, perspective. It, it actually flows really nicely into the second element of how writing a book can stimulate your marketing efforts. And that's, it establishes your POV or your point of view and declares it to the world. And I think you just said this very well, Nikki, because it was a big reason why I wrote my book too, which is we have a point of view and we've been asked these kinds of questions before. And sometimes they're really hard to explain, especially when you're given like a very short period of time to maybe pitch what you do or or to kind of sell what you do. And so putting them into a format or um, especially a long form format that gives you an opportunity to kind of explain your POV. It gives you an opportunity to uh, share examples of where this POV comes to life. This could be very, very helpful. And I did the exactly same thing when I was trying to express what it means to build brand love. Um, again, a lot of people would say, oh, that's a very big brand concept. And, you know, it, it is. It's, it's very much what we celebrate and we um, in our philosophy for brand building in the big brand concept. But it is also for anybody. But what people couldn't see and what it was hard to explain in a very short period of time was how to translate that thinking from the big brand concept into small and mid-sized businesses. Once they finally got it, they're like, oh my gosh, a whole new world has just opened up to me that I didn't even know existed. But it took a structure of a book in order to be able to really formulate, lay that out, give them the perspective, give them the context, give them the action, give them all the things that they need to consider and let them to kind of digest that on their own and then process through it on their own. But it's really important that, you know, this establishing your, your, your POV takes a lot of guts, especially in very established industries. Because people are going to criticize you too. So you're going to get lots of accolades, but people are going to criticize you. But that is the benefit of actually being part of the conversation because the criticism creates conversation. It creates a back and forth. It establishes, again, more cred because if somebody is going to criticize you, they must believe that you are actually a credible enough person to have a perspective or have a point of view that is worth having a conversation with. So Nikki, as as you started kind of thinking about that, you, you said a lot about like, this is the stuff that you've taught. This is the stuff that you've spoke on. And these are the, you know, a lot of the, uh, the, the things that people are seeking to understand. Can you speak a little bit more to kind of how you synthesize that down to develop your POV? 
Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that I always would recommend to someone who's writing a book on their knowledge and their experiences and expertise is that you almost workshop the content that you're going to put in the book Mm -hmm. first. And you can do that through, you know, going live and teaching uh, on a live video on a social media platform, or you can teach in-person workshops, or you can have a focus group around your book. And I really did, in all honesty, all of these things. I discovered what my point of view was and what my, um, the way in which I teach things through doing it. Right. And so Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. more that I taught entrepreneurs and the more that I coached people and the more that I, um, did live videos, the clearer my messaging became for, for me, you know? And then when I was writing the book, I had about 80 people. It was a focus group of about 80 people who I sent them a chapter a week for 90 days because I needed, I mean, I did that more really for accountability, but it also was great (laughs) because I I got to hear from people firsthand if the way I was explaining things or sharing things and my perspective, how it landed. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think whether there's a billion people in your category writing a book or there's one person in your category writing a book, you're going to have a unique point of view and you're going to have unique stories. And if uh, the clearer you are on that, the better it is for the book. And, and to the earlier point, the more credible you become, because it doesn't seem as if you're just saying exactly what somebody else has said without a different point of view or, or spin on it. Well, and I think that is exactly right. And so smart. I mean, Anne and I, debate so many different authors and books. And I'm not going to mention any of the ones that are kind of like the bane of her existence because that's Mm. not nice. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, authors that you can just tell they're picking up on something that somebody else said and it's not actually a unique position or, you know, writing a book for the book's sake where it just takes a long time and has extra pages where you're like, I could have gotten this message the first time through. And so I think it's just really smart that you give the peek behind the curtain and talk through how you develop the book. I mean, I'm glad you're honest about the accountability piece because I think quite truly that is something that people face is that they say they're going to do it and then everything else gets in the way. But also not only that you had taught these things and talked about them for years, but that you took the time on the other side to get the feedback as you were doing it so that you could make sure that you had the audience in the room really with you, so to speak, as you were writing it. And so you didn't necessarily miss out on those opportunities to bring to life or say something differently or hear from people how certain things hit them so that you're always speaking from the audience's perspective or reaction instead of just what you think is hitting home. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And there were times, in all honesty, where um, either my editor or somebody would, you know, leave a comment about how something landed for them. And at the end of the day, you get to choose whether you want to change that or not. And mm-hmm. so I said, no, like, that's my truth. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, there were some stories that I shared or the, or things that I said where somebody's like, oh, well, this could be perceived in this way. I'm like, that's cool if it is because that I, I can't change the story or I won't change the story mm-hmm. because yeah. that's literally what happened. So <laughs> if somebody perceives it a certain way, I hope that they get my true point, um, and sharing what I shared, because at the end of the day, when you write a book, it's, it's twofold. Partially it's 
almost therapeutic for you. Maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, I'm getting my, my knowledge and experiences out there, but you have to write it with the intention of this is supposed to add value to somebody else's life. And I just question any feedback I get, I go, okay, but does it still add value to the person who I want to read this as life? Yes. Okay. Then I may make a little tweak, but I'm keeping it. And mm-hmm. so that that's one thing I will say with feedback. I, I don't want people to leave going, I got all this feedback and I'm overwhelmed and people contradicted each other. That's fine. You get to choose what's right for you and, and trust your yourself and your gut when you make those decisions. I think that's a really important point, especially when you have so much feedback. If you're having, you said 80 people, I mean, that that is a lot of feedback. <laughs> and it sometimes would be hard, I think, to um, filter through what is, you know, the right feedback. But I love that you, you stayed to your truth, which I think is incredibly important because having a POV means that you might be, and you probably will be somewhat polarizing to mm-hmm. people. Uh, and You're that taking is, a stand. Yeah. And that's part of like being able to establish your voice in the industry that you want to establish a voice in is that you have to have some level of a stand or else like you basically stand for nothing. We talk about that all the time. And so that means being a little bit vulnerable sometimes in the storytelling. It means knowing that, you know what, the story is not going to land well for everybody or somebody's going to maybe take offense to that. Now, do we need to be careful and, you know, and sensitive with, you know, the, the way that the general you know, population and making sure we're not stereotyping and all those things? Yes, we we, we can't be cavalier um, in, in those ways. But I, I love the way that you just kind of held to your truth. I think that's just awesome because that's a level of authenticity that then again, nobody else can bring. And then that differentiates you and your POV from everybody else. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the third element of writing a book in order to stimulate your marketing efforts, it serves as a compelling pitching tool for PR. Now, again, because like publishing a book still feels very like novel. And like you said, Nikki, too, it's like everybody thinks everybody's written a book, but actually it's a very small percentage of people that actually have. Newly published books are actually great pitch angles for radio, local TV, print, broadcasts, and and blogs. And This is because authors, because there's not like a ton of them, are still celebrated and a newly released book is really new news. And this is obviously more novel than like saying, hey, we have a new podcast, which, you know, episode, which we, you know, release every week, right? (laughs) So there's still something very like cool about releasing a book because it does take effort. It does take time and it does take thought. And local markets really like to celebrate the people in you know their demographic who actually have published books. Um, this was a big way that I was able to publish and 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 promote my own book. Now the thing is, you need to actually be very realistic um, because a lot of people think you're going to publish a book and the Wall Street Journal is going to want to cover it, and that's not necessarily the truth. Yeah, Elon Musk might be able to get his book covered by you know the Wall Street Journal, but Anne Candido of, here in Cincinnati, Ohio, probably not, or at least not yet. Maybe eventually. <laughs> Don't say not ever. Yeah, but <laughs> not 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 right now. So you have to be a little bit realistic. But you, it is a good way of being able to generate some local interest, which actually then helps to create a little bit more broader awareness. And sometimes that can get picked up, and that gets a more people engaged in your brand and in your book. It also could work okay for a press release. Now, I guess you know how I feel about press releases and the fact that they serve a purpose. And the, the biggest purpose they serve is to serve um, for SEM, so search, search engine marketing. That is the, the best and, and, the, and the, the primary reason for releasing a press release. 
um, is to get that searchable keyword content out there um, in the in the Google sphere, if you will. But it's not necessarily going to get picked up. So I think you just have to be very realistic about that. But one thing you want to make sure that you do is when you create your message track and when you're going to go on to um, and do your PR is that you do a good job of tying what is in your book back to what your business is. Because ultimately, as a revenue driver, or at least, you know, not directly your book as a revenue driver, hopefully it's driving, you know, the marketing for your business. You want to be able to tie those things together so people realize what was the whole reason for writing the book and how what's in the book is going to uh, translate to what you're going to be able to do for them. So make sure you make that uh, those connections. And a lot of people ask us, you know, do I do this my own or do I, you know, hire publicists? And it really depends on how you actually went about uh, writing your book. So for me, when I did mine, I did mine on my own. So I hired a publicist. But I know Nikki, you did yours through an actual publisher, and they probably have that all built in. So. Nikki, maybe you want to share how kind of you're approaching your PR and, and, and how the way that you went about publishing your book is kind of directing that a little bit. Yeah. So I, I did go with a traditional publisher. Hay House is um, my book publisher. But one of the things I think it's almost one of the biggest myths about having a, a publisher is that, you know, they do all the PR and marketing and, and all that jazz for you. And so they um, they do do some, some PR um, for me, but I've done the majority of the marketing and the pitching for, um, for my book. And, you know, my strategy in all honesty has been to focus on things like podcasting Mm -hmm. and guest blogging or, or interviews Mm -hmm. on, on sites that are really specific because for even New York times, bestselling authors, PR, I mean, well, I shouldn't say PR, but television interviews don't really move that many books in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think it's one of the biggest myths that people are like, I'm going to be on the today show and it's going to blow up my book sales. And it's, <laughs> it doesn't really actually do that. And so, um, I, I would say for me, it's really been focusing on podcasting, um, guest blogging and, and writing articles or being interviewed in articles on relevant sites. And then, you know, don't underestimate the power of asking friends who have an audience on Instagram or Facebook or, mm-hmm. you know, TikTok or wherever. TikTok really doesn't work for what I'm about to say, but on your friends who have audiences on platforms, you know, LinkedIn, where you can go live and just say, hey, can you interview me live on your platform and get me in front of your audience if it's relevant? And I did a ton of that as well. I just was, hey, friends, <laughs> Especially my entrepreneur friends, I'm like, hey can I, can you interview me? Thanks. (laughs) Well, and I think it's really smart because what you're touching on there is some of the misnomers, first of all, the Mm -hmm. idea that being on big TV broadcast is going to move a lot of books, but also flexing with the times and using the media channels we have today in, with with the idea in mind, I guess, that you're promoting your book, but also using the platforms that make sense based on the messages that are in your book and also the types of audience that you're after, right? Because I think about, you know, Mm -hmm. in the Today Show, right, you mentioned that. And 
we're all familiar, but you know, you might get like a what, 30 second, one minute segment to talk about your book in the midst of all this other stuff that's going on on the show. And I, I always kind of felt like those kinds of things got lost or you didn't get to give enough context or it wasn't really even the right place to be for what you were talking about. And so I think whether we're talking about PR strategy overall or the types of tools or where you need to be in your message track, it all has to work together and be the right message in the right place at the right time because your Mm -hmm. audience is there in order to get to those people that are going to want to pick up the book and buy it and read it. And so I think what you talk about there is partially that and then also just getting creative, right? We all use our networks all the time and our friends can be the most help in those types of situations. I mean, a lot of our business at Forthright People comes through friends and former colleagues and that sort of thing. And so I think While, yeah, they may be your friend, people don't always know that. And it can be a really easy way, like you said, to get the traction that you're looking for in the places you're looking for it. Mm -hmm. For sure. And um, I'm a big believer in people realizing that if you're going after big national PR, which, again, I don't believe is the best thing for people writing books Mm -hmm. um, in general. I mean, it works for very specific types of books. But those big media outlets, they're not looking to bring you on the show because you wrote a book. They're looking to bring you on the show because you're an expert on a topic and having a book, as we talked about earlier, gives you that credibility for them to want to have you on the show. And then they're game for you to talk about it a little bit. And so whenever I see people who are on big national news or or networks um, with a book, they're usually talking about something that's really big and important in the greater community right now, you know, in the nation. Mm -hmm. And so there's also that newsworthiness. So I I always encourage people to not underestimate the power of um, more specific outlets, whether it's podcasting or local Mm -hmm. news or very specific blogs or things along those lines, because that's to your point, you need to have the right audience and hit them at the right time. And Real talk, I don't think my audience is watching the Today Show in the middle of the day. Like, I, yep. I just don't. So. Also, very fair. They're too busy doing right. the marketing, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's very fair. And I think, um, you know, also, um, and we're going to get to this a little bit later in the, in the end of trenches questions, but I think it's a really important point is make sure you get copies for yourself and be able to use those as a marketing tool in order to pitch yourself on some of these things too. Like they work wonders as opportunities to pitch clients or to pitch potential speaking forums. So make sure you have those available in order to be able to do that because I think those are really good ways in. Even if the person doesn't actually like read the book to begin with, the fact that you just have the book and you sent the book to them, I think is a really great way to bridge that uh, that conversation and really showcase, like as you said, because you, you're absolutely right, the expertise that you're going to bring to the table. All right. So the fourth element, how writing a book can stimulate your marketing efforts is it serves as a foundation for creating a brand. And this really, really helps you to open more doors. And it's because it's a key differentiator for people, like I just said, who are hiring speakers, who are hiring trainers and teachers, coaches, consultants, freelancers, and even to some extent, employees. So it's re- it could serve as a really great tool to, to establish a brand or a brand philosophy or a point of view that is going to be like transcend your book to some extent to what you said, Nikki, and become your expertise or become your thing. And this is what I did around brand love. So obviously I had my my book, but my book was just establishing the fo- the philosophy, the point of view, the ideology. 
it took me and my efforts and everything else that I created between blogging about it, social posting about it, um, speaking about it that really led to the development of this brand around brand love. All right. And this is what actually got me some consulting gigs. It got me some um, new additional clients. It got me um, all these like training opportunities. And it just really did help me open the door into more and more opportunities. And it also serves, as I mentioned before, as a pitch point for businesses. So when you can actually say, hey, and, you know, me and April use that, you know, you need to listen to our podcast as one example of um, how we pitch our business instead of having a big, long RFP, a book can serve in a very similar kind of vein where you can say, hey, um, you may want to take a look at my book because that's going to help you kind of understand the philosophy. It helps you understand how we think and it helps you understand the way that we will conduct business. And with this, you know, it, it, it creates like that value that you can provide that's outside of just like the thing that you are going to they're going to be buying from you, whether it's a service or it's a product. And what we say is when you start building your brand, that allows you to start commanding higher prices, attract more customers and scale more quickly because there's more value creation there. There's more value creation, especially as you're creating those relationships that are above and beyond just the thing that you're actually putting a price tag on. And it also can establish a framework for you to publish more if you choose. So once you do one book, a lot of people will do more than one book. And so it becomes a platform for becoming a multiple published author. Not to overwhelm people that haven't even written one. No, I haven't but... written one. But, you know, <laughs> you have to write one before you can write two, right? That's right. And then it also, and we've seen this happen a lot, and I think this is really interesting, is that it can facilitate repositioning yourself in a new space. So, for example, if like I said with my uh, from marketing, when I was talking about brand love and that being a big brand context, I repositioned it into a smaller brand context, which allowed me to be in a new context. Another example that we've seen a lot is people take that marketing concept and if they do it on a more of a a, a broader scale for, for business, like small, mid-sized, large-sized businesses, they'll write it in the context of nonprofits, right? So it gives a new viewpoint. It gives a new lens. And all of a sudden, it establishes you in a new context that you might want to do business or that you see yourself in and want to progress forward. So Nikki, can you provide some perspective on how you're kind of creating some scale behind your book to build your brand? I, I think the book in itself is an excellent way to scale my brand because while I have a podcast and I would speak on stages and things along those lines, it became very much a, oh my goodness, my brand can only reach people to a certain point, right? To a certain degree. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When it's you. Right. When it's just me, but yeah. when there's a book and then it just kind of takes a life of its own, even more so than, um, for me, podcasting is huge and it helps, but a book, it's like somebody could be sitting on a subway somewhere reading the book and somebody else sees it and they're like, Ooh, what's that book? And, you know, suddenly they're looking on their phone and looking it up and possibly picking it up. Right. Or asking mm -hmm. the person what they think about it. And it just becomes this amazing word of mouth tool. And so I think from a, a branding perspective, it allows people to people to get to know you, people to talk about you more easily and um, for you to reach people in places you probably would have never imagined. Yeah, I, I think that is really interesting. And I think it's one of the reasons that we struck out to write this one in the first place and have somebody else on who's written a book, because I do think that print gets a little bit of a 
bad name mm-hmm. these days and it doesn't feel quite as sexy or quite as impactful, right? It's like, oh yeah, but I, you know, I could hop on and do something digitally and that's the, all the rage and all of those types of things. But I, I do think you're right because so much of those other channels you talked about and so much of the socially led channels that are out there today require the person to be there when it's a, a personal branding opportunity, right? So like in this instance where it's your book that you wrote, in all the other ways, it's you. It's your personality on stage. It's your personality on the podcast. It's your personality on social. And that can start to feel overwhelming, especially given the number of channels and how often you're expected to be there and all of those mm-hmm. types of things. But I think a book does live out in the world very differently. And whether it's, you know, the physical book or the ebook, it puts it in the hands of the viewers in a different way where they can enjoy and intake and absorb and all of those things at their own pace and their own time and in different venues like the subway or whatever where they have a few moments that can lead to those connection points. And so I think this is one of those instances where there's a beauty associated with books And the history of those and the credibility that comes with writing one and all of that, that's very different than the world we live in today with all of the messaging we're bombarded with all the time. The more forceful push of things versus the seeking and being able to internalize as you want to. Mm -hmm. And with a book, you just have to write it once. I mean, not to say that Mm -hmm. you won't write other books or you might might do some revisions. But, you know, when you think about social media or um, different platforms, you're all up in there every day or every week or every month. But with the book, it's like, I wrote it once and then it just lives on and people keep sharing it. Mm -hmm. Right. And you can, and you can continue to recycle that and promote it. Right. And it doesn't get old. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's really important too. That's a very good point. And I also think it serves as a comprehensive kind of point of entry for your brand too, where, you know, somebody might see one, you know, social post or mm-hmm. they might have like, you know, one you know podcast episode or, you know, just like you said, like one blog, this it, it might not be enough in order to get people in. So you need to do multiples of those. Mm-hmm. But the book serves as a very comprehensive point of entry and it, it a low risk point of entry for your brand. So it does a really good job of, again, seeding the opportunity to do bigger things, but also serves as a really nice foundation for all the other things that are going to come. So um, in all those other instances, you're competing on volume. Right. Versus here, to your point, Nikki, you write it once and then it can take on whatever life of its own. You don't have to keep rewriting every week or every day or, you know, feverishly doing that. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So just to summarize how writing a book can stimulate your marketing efforts. First, it establishes credibility. And this really establishes your authority on a topic because it can, and it's helpful to differentiate you from others and get people to choose you more often. It also establishes your point of view and declares it to the world. And remember, this takes guts, so be prepared for criticism, but also be brave in establishing that point of view out there. Third, it serves as a compelling pitching tool for PR because newly published books are great pitch angles for especially your local radio, TV, podcasts, and blogs. It can serve as a foundation for creating a brand, and this really, really helps to open more doors. So now we're going to move into our In the Trenches section, which is where we give real-world examples specific to industries and situations. In this case, we're talking about books, Um, but we think that 
these experiences are going to help you really refine how you might want to approach your own book. Because I'm sure now that we're getting to this point, you're like, hmm, maybe a book isn't so bad. So we're going to we're going to close the loop on that. And I think by the end of the Into the Trenches questions, you're going to be like, okay, yeah, I, I might try this. I might try this. So the first question, and this is going to be like the kicker because I have to put my money where my mouth is, right? So, <laughs> okay, Anne, how did you write a, and publish your book in less than a year and $1,000? And I'm going to say I'm not novel in this, all right? But I did make very specific decisions that allow me to do this. And it would be different, likely, than what Nikki did. So I'm going to provide my perspective. And then, Nikki, I, want to, I really want you to kind of share yours and the route you took and why you took your route. So for me, what I knew I needed was I, need a, I know I needed a marketing tool. So that was very, very specific to what I wanted to do in, as a, in the impact I wanted to create in writing my book. So that already put me in a little bit of a different category because I wasn't doing this to be a New York Times bestseller. I didn't really need it in order to like establish myself as like a well-known keynoter, which our um, business coach Scott Motz does. You know, he writes all his books and that establishes his credibility for keynote speaking. So I didn't really need it for those aspects. I needed it really to establish my POV, like I had said before. Now, what I knew then based on that was that I could speak from my firsthand experience. So I didn't need to do a ton of research to interview a bunch of people to synthesize opinions and perspectives down. Now, some people might say, well, that's a little arrogant, but you know, I had 20 years of P&G to back it up. So I felt like my experience was comprehensive enough that I could write from a firsthand experience. Now, I did use other examples outside my P&G world that I did do research on in order to make sure the examples had far-reaching effects, right? And that they were factual and and they were factual and yeah. and they were true and every all everything was cited the facts were cited all that kind of stuff. I also knew I needed it to be short and digestible because especially marketing and branding can start to feel very overwhelming. Um, and because I didn't need to be a New York Times bestseller, which has a certain uh, need for how many pages it needs to be and that sort of thing, I wanted it to be something that somebody could sit down in a weekend and kind of go through. And then start working and putting into action immediately. That was my goal. So then what I did, based on all of those, I knew that I was going to do a, sh a shorter book, a concise book, something that it was very experiential oriented. I started designating time during the week that I was going to write. And most of the time, this was when my daughter was in soccer practice. Okay, so I had to drive her to soccer practice. I had to sit there anyway. Instead of like playing on my phone or, you know, reading another book, I took those two hours to, you know, to four hours and I actually spent the time writing. And I did this several times a week. And in order to do this, in order to have a place to start, I drafted an outline. And I think that's pretty <laughs> across the board a good way to start and just kind of starting to kind of fill in your thoughts, not even like complete thoughts, but just like points that you want to make and make sure that those things or those stories are very um, are represented there so that you can start kind of getting your flow. I decided that um, in order to manage my investment here, because of the way I wanted to um, use the book, that I was going to self-publish. But I knew that I didn't really know enough about the Amazon landscape to do this myself, and I wasn't sure how to do the layout. So that's one of the investments I made was I hired somebody to do the layout of my book so that it could translate well into Amazon. Um, now, a lot of people don't know, too, is that even though you're doing a self-publishing book on Amazon, you can actually get the formal written book, too. So it can be published, and so people can buy it in a written book format as well as in an ebook format. So that seemed like the best um, uh, path forward for, for me, especially since 
I knew how to do marketing and PR and I knew how to be able to um, do that for myself, even though I didn't know exactly how to do it for a book, I knew that I had the right connects and the right network that I could get to the right people that were going to allow me to do that. And I actually use my extensive network, knowing because my, my mom is actually a published author and actually a very successful published author. She was my um, accountability person, Nikki, where she actually um, was the one I would made sure that like, if she understood it, then I knew that it was going to be able to um, translate. And not that my mom is not marketing savvy. She actually is very marketing savvy. But like in the context of writing it in a language that people understood, because sometimes, and April still catches me, I speak very PNG and not <laughs> English. <laughs> so um, she did that for me. And my dad actually is a fabulous um, artist. He actually did my cover art. Now, my the person I hired to do my layout would also have done my cover art for me for a nominal fee, but that was just nice to have, you know, kind of all in the family. And I did have my people um, that would read it and, and and give me feedback on it. And, and, and you're right, it's kind of difficult to figure out what feedback you want to accept, but it's always in the context of what you think is going to tell your, the most authentic story according to your POV. And then I did, like I said, hire a publicist. I, I did not want to go through the effort of trying to pitch all these people myself. I wanted the relationships that other people had to try to get me into the places where I thought it was going to, um, my book was going to resonate and I was going to get to the right audience. Um, so I did do that and was able to get some radio, TV, some podcasts, some blogs. And that obviously helped to um, drive some, uh, some awareness around my book, but also just kind of create some things that I could point to to say, you know, hey, my book was, you know, covered here or I, you know, and, and, and these people endorse my book, you know, and so it gives a little bit of credibility to the book itself as well as your expertise within the book. So that kind of explains my story a little bit. Nikki, I'd love to hear your story. Yeah. So I um, was an English major in college, but probably even more important than that, I've wanted to write a book since I was really, really young. Mm -hmm. And um, I mentioned earlier that I went with a traditional publisher. And I think when I first decided I wanted to write a book, I was probably 10 or 11. And while self-publishing was probably a thing, I'm not entirely sure if the internet was. It might have been, but <laughs> I don't remember back then. So like, I did not know much about self-publishing. I didn't know it was a thing. Um, I'm not that old, guys, but like, it's crazy how quickly technology moves forward. Mm -hmm. And so actually, I must have had the internet because I definitely use the internet when I was in middle school and, and younger. So maybe the internet existed, the but I wasn't Googling. Right. Yeah. It was definitely AOL dial up fun times. Oh, I remember like, that. Yeah. Uh, and I definitely was yeah, exactly. loads in five minutes. You're like, oh my Lord. Right. Like if you get impatient now with internet speed, you have no idea, idea. the pain exactly. that it used to be. Um, but long story short, I knew that I wanted to write a book and I had had it on my list pretty much every half decade for who knows how long. It was like, write mm -hmm. a book before you graduate college, write a book before you turn 25, mm. write a book before you turn 30, write a book before you turn 35. I did it before 40. Woohoo! Like, yay! <laughs> yeah. But it was just on the list forever. And what actually sealed the deal for me, I feel like Brennan Bouchard is getting so many shout outs in this episode. Shout out to Brennan Bouchard. But it was because I watched a Brennan Bouchard video. And it was for, I think it's like High Performance Academy or something along uh -huh. those lines. Mm -hmm. 
And the whole point of the video was essentially that he should be able to look at your calendar and tell what your goals are. Yep. And if he can't like look at your calendar and know what you're moving towards, essentially it's not going to happen. Like that was the the gist of it. But what I, I felt like he was speaking to me and I felt like he said, Nikki, <laughs> your butt is never writing a book because you don't have one book writing thing on your calendar. Yep. You don't have and to you, the time <laughs> scheduled in, right? No, he was he's big right. on that. Yep. Nothing was scheduled. Not even think of book ideas, start working on book, research how to do a book, like nothing. There was nothing book related ever. I just kept talking about this book thing that I wanted to do sometime in my life. And I pendulum swung. I was like, I'm going to show you, Brendan, who's now the inner voice in my mind that's like, this ain't going to happen unless you put it in your calendar. And I started putting stuff in my calendar. I'm like, all right, I'm going to research how to, you know, either get a book deal or write a book, right? I fell in love with Hay House, who also happens to be Brendan's book publisher. And I said, Hay House is going to publish my book. I have no idea how to make that happen. So then I started Googling how to get a Hay House book deal. And what's crazy is the universe does interesting things when you commit and go all in. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I kept meeting people who had book deals. Now they weren't Hay House book deals, but they had big publisher book deals. And they were all telling me the same thing. Like, Nikki, you need to get your audience to like 50,000 people minimal on like email list. And then maybe social media additionally, or all this other stuff, nonfiction, competitive, blah, blah, blah. And I was listening and I would go, that's not going to be my path. Because <laughs> I, like, I was like, I am not waiting that long. I know I can build my audience that big, but I am not going to wait that long. And so I found this one article from this one person's blog that I still have no idea what I typed into search because I can't find it. But this woman wrote about how she got a Hay House book deal without having an agent. And I was like, what? Wow. Because that was the other thing. Everybody's like, you got to get this big following. Then you need to get an agent. Then the agent needs to pitch you to everybody and their mother. And then maybe somebody will like you. And then, you know, that's how the the process goes. (laughs) I was like, ah, I found out that Hay House um, was doing these in-person Hay House Writers Workshop events. I think now they've moved it online and they do a membership and they do all these different things. But the idea was to give people who were interested in writing a book the opportunity to learn about the whole process. And then they would give you, if you went to this event and it cost money to go, they would give you the opportunity to submit your book proposal without an agent by a very specific date. Like they would say, you have until this date and that's your only shot, right? Wow. And then one person, they're like, one person is going to get a book deal. Oh, wow. Oh, I was like, that one person is going to be me. <laughs> like, like when I bought from the second I bought my ticket to the event to when I showed up, like I showed up there going, I'm winning this book deal. I'm just here because it's a formality for me to be able to submit my book proposal for you to give me a book deal. Like that was my mindset. It was wow, that's awesome. blindly ambitious. Like I just, <laughs> or I don't know, but I just felt it. And it ended up working. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't want to say I felt it every single day of every moment, but I felt it more times than I felt, oh my gosh, they're not going to choose me. I'm out of my mind. Like, like the, I've got this happened more days than the, I don't got this. And so that is how the book deal situation happened, um, which is a bit crazy and non-traditional in the first place. <laughs> but wow. I mean, way to yeah. like make it happen for yourself and to have that kind of conviction. I mean, somebody has to get it right. Why not you? Exactly. Like, why not me? And I just showed up and I'm like, I am so positive that the book I'm writing is going to be great. I only had the title. I had nothing else. But by that time I knew my book was going to be called market your genius. 
And it just felt like it was going to happen. And I just kept visualizing it and seeing it. And um, I got the book deal and went through the traditional process, which takes way longer than self-publishing heads up Mm -hmm. people. Like it usually takes anywhere from, you know, 12 to it could be 18 or 24 months. Um, For me, it ended up taking about 24 months because from the time that I knew I was getting the book deal to the time the book was published primarily though, because of COVID because COVID Mm -hmm. happened and it pushed back all book deadlines because people were like, I can't launch a book right now. I don't even know at least traditional bookstore, uh, traditional publishers, because the big thing that traditional publishers do, like their main job is to get you inside of retail establishments. Mm -hmm. And if all the retail establishments are closed, it becomes a huge problem. Yeah. You got to (laughs) pivot or figure out how to, but I mean, I think that it is, well, first of all, I agree with Anne. It's crazy and so awesome. And And it is so awesome. I love that story. And I think, you know, you mentioned kind of when you put yourself out there, you put your stake in the ground, you know, we kind of, we have the same philosophy here of, you know, you put it out there in the universe and whatever you believe it comes back in some form or fashion when you're ready for it. And so I feel like that's a perfect example of that happening. But I think what both of you did is show that there is no one specific path. And Mm -hmm. I think people have misconceptions in their head. And, you know, like you mentioned, Nikki, of, well, you got to do it this way. You got to get so many followers and you get a traditional publisher and you do all these different things. And I think the other side of the digital world we're in and all of the channels that are out there and all the ways people meet each other, you know, all those different things, the world's a much smaller place. And so those traditional paths of anything seem to exist less and less. And so I think from both of your stories, you see that, well, number one, it can be less daunting for a variety of reasons. But number two, you don't have to listen to this is the way it was always done. You can carve your own path because of where we are today in the world. A hundred percent. And I'm a big believer of, you know, doing things your own way, especially when somebody tells me I can't do something. Oh like yeah. So many, so many people were like, um, because just a quick addition to the story, I attended two Hay House events that year and they were maybe 30 days apart or less. And one was about writing a book and the other one was about speaking and and promoting yourself and things like that. And with the promoting yourself one, you had the opportunity to be mentored by Reed Tracy for six months. And Reed Tracy is the CEO of Hay House. Mm. And so they were like three people were getting that opportunity. And so there were some people who went to both events who were like, you're definitely going to get one, but you're not going to get both. And I said, watch me. And I I was mentored by Reed Tracy for six months. Awesome. That is even better. How do you just leave that out? I don't know. I'm sorry. I for, all of a sudden I was like, oh yeah, this is probably the best part of the story. I'm like, don't listen to what other people say because other people are operating on their own limiting beliefs and fears and thoughts. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I know that your mind is telling you that it's not possible, but my mind is telling me that anything's freaking possible. And I literally have the word limitless tattooed on my wrist mm. so that I can always remember that. So I'm like, I'm going for it and it's happening because I'm limitless. So you can't stop me people. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think you're right. And I, and you know what I appreciate so much about those stories is is the limitless part, yeah. But like, it's the this the self belief, you know, and, and and knowing that you know it wasn't like all roses all the time. Like, I mean, we we all go through those periods of fear, and like that actually leads very nicely into the second question because this is the one that, that I hear a lot from other people who are contemplating a book, which is 
I'm afraid people won't even buy it. What if I don't sell any? You know, and to me, it's like uh, th- there's there's that fear. I mean, there's obviously that fear that it's going to feel like failure, right? That if you people don't buy your book or you don't sell like a million thousand copies, that all of a sudden it wasn't like it worth it or it wasn't beneficial. And to me, I always tell them like you need to really think about what success looks like. All right. So for me, I have given away more than I've sold. I mean, very honestly, but that was because it is a marketing tool for me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't supposed to be a revenue generator per se. Now, if I, you know, all of a sudden, like because of this, like I sell a thousand copies or you know whatever, awesome. I'll be, I'd be, I'd be happy with that, you know. But I, I have had people buy copies from me to hand and to give away to other people, like you know. So that's been really nice. So I know that people are finding it of value, and that was my success criterion. Is I wanted it in order to be able to um, be of value to others, first and foremost, to be able to spread this POV about brand love because I thought it was going to unleash people's businesses. And it is in unleashing people's businesses. And it also serves as a tool to, to uh, serve the rest of our, our business with regards to being able to explain a, a philosophy and then an approach with, with other clients. So if you're always keep on getting stuck in what this like, you know, uh, this sense of success having to be of like, oh, I have to sell a million copies or I have to mail- make a you know a gazillion dollars or as you had said, Nikki, like, oh, I got to be on the Today Show. I'm like, you can have those. That is a, a path, right? And and there's a certain things that need to be met and certain steps that need to be taken in order to get that path. But there's also many other paths and reasons for, for writing a book. So Nikki, I, you, you kind of exp- you know, talked to this a little bit, but can you say a little bit more about like some of the fears that you had or some of the like, maybe the breakdowns you had in the process or, you know, and how you overcame some of those? Oh my goodness. I'm pretty confident I was a hot mess during this entire process. (laughs) My best friend, I call her so much. I'm like, it was like an emotional roller coaster. First of all, the reason why I got the group of 80 people or so to read the book every week was because I spent a year and a half procrastinating and I was hitting my pushed back deadline because of COVID. And I was like, girl, you have to write this book. Mm-hmm. Like you need to do it. So I was like, all right, what gets me to do things? And I'm, I own that I procrastinate, but I don't procrastinate because I'm like, some people are like, oh, is it fear or this? I write creatively. Like I birth creativity under pressure. Mm-hmm. And so I needed to manufacture pressure for myself. So I said, I'm going to tell people and, and I did it really for this reason. I was like, whether they leave a comment or not that, I mean, it would be great if they gave me some feedback, but I need to be held accountable to another human being. And mm-hmm. the better, if it's not somebody I'm super close with and it's a bunch of people, or if it is people I'm close with, there's a whole bunch of other people on, in the crew too. And so that was one thing where I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I need to write something. Then there was the, the ups and down of, writing. And I highly recommend that you don't read what you wrote after you write it mm-hmm. until you're in editing phase. Like don't write mm-hmm. chapter one and then read chapter one before you write chapter two. Terrible idea. So I just blindly wrote the whole thing and then went back and was reading it. And there were moments where I'm like, this is so good. And other moments like, what the heck? <laughs> better than that. <laughs> right. Then there was the fear like, uh, of, asking for endorsements. I, I went and asked for endorsements. I, that was probably the biggest personal growth experience of my life because I'm literally going, hi, I have this book. Here's why this book is going to make a difference. Here's a free copy of the book or like, you know, here, will you read it and give me an, an endorsement because your endorsement would mean a lot to me and my ability to promote the book. 
Yeah. Even people I knew people who I'm like, I knew, and were even in the group of people that I was friends with that read the book early. I was afraid to ask mm. like, what is wrong with me? Well, that's putting yourself out there. I think in a, yeah. in an additional way, right? It's like, all right, I've written it now. I took that big leap. And now not only have I asked people to read it, but now I'm going to ask them to kind of put their name behind it. And I think even if you're super close to people, and sometimes if you are close to people, it makes it worse, I think, because it, you get all those nerves about like, well, what if they say no? Or what if they really don't believe it and they do it anyway? Or, you know, I don't want to have to ask people for something like this. It feels like I'm imposing. I mean, I think all of those fears come in, which no matter how confident a person you are, typically there is definitely something about that that type of ask where it, it causes you to hesitate. I mean, I'm the same way every time when I have mm -hmm. to go out and ask somebody for something that requires them to tie themselves to me. It's like, ooh, I don't know if that feels like something they're going to be comfortable with. For sure. And to answer the part of your question about, okay, how the heck did you work through some of these emotional roller coaster things? Um, Other than calling your of, best friend every day? Yeah. <laughs> outside of, outside of uh, having Maria on speed dial being like, hey, I'm in my head. Um, <laughs> it's a lonely place. Yeah. It's a very scary place. I should not be there alone. Will you come here with me? Um, I did a lot of self-talk and I've truly believed and still believe that this is a really freaking good book. And so I had to start practicing things that I work on with my clients, with myself. Mm -hmm. And so I have this thing called the effing fabulous list. And the idea behind it is you write a reason, like a list of all the reasons why you're effing fabulous and you read it before you get on sales calls or before, you know, you create a piece of content and you can theme or focus the the list where it's like, these are all the reasons why my offer is amazing before I go on this call to invite somebody to, you know, participate in it or something mm -hmm. like that. And so I had to go, why is this book so freaking amazing before, and, and just read it to myself before I would reach out to somebody and ask them for an endorsement. I had essentially a templated endorsement request email that I would customize. So I had one for people who I didn't know at all mm -hmm. and one for people who I knew um, a bit or, or who I knew more. And um, so I would have those drafted because it just took one less thing off of my plate of sitting there going, oh, I want to write. Um, and then I had this piece of paper with, I, I drew little boxes on it. And I had a running list of everybody's names. So there were two things that happened. First, I listed every single person I planned on asking for an endorsement. Mm -hmm. And every time, if I asked them for an endorsement, I'd put a little regular check mark next to their name. Um, if they, then I'd write, if they gave me a response, if they said yes or no, and then I'd cross their name off if they gave me an endorsement or, or when they answered, when they answered yes or no. And then on a separate page, I just had a bunch of little check marks. And I had a target number of endorsements I wanted to collect. And every time I collected an endorsement, I would put an X through one of the check marks so that I could see visually how mm -hmm. close I was to my actual goal. And I want to tell you, when I was very close to needing all of the endorsements, I think I had like one tenth of the number that my goal was. And I had to go, all right, Nick, you're in focus mode. And I just reached, and a lot of people had said yes, but I hadn't got them yet. Or mm -hmm, some people hadn't mm -hmm. responded at all. So I just went on, you are going to right now, write a whole bunch of emails, send them to people. And then I would, I don't know, it was like running up to somebody and asking them for a date that made you nervous. It's almost like I ran 
asked them on a date and then ran away. I was like, I ran, <laughs> I sent the email and then I was <laughs> closed my laptop after I sent all of them. <laughs> 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 like run away run away and then come back in like 10 minutes right half half yeah. peaking when i closed <laughs> i yeah exactly that is a i mean it's so funny from you know just phenomenal like ways that you approach that because those are i mean it is so hard yeah it is so hard so you, instead of you know saying, oh my God, I'm going to avoid that. I mean, being able to be very disciplined and saying, I am going to do this um, is a huge step in the right direction because a lot of people would get very stuck there. And I think what you demonstrate is when you're you're in, you have to be all in. You have to do all the aspects of making your book work. And I think still a lot of people are hesitant to do it, one, because they feel uncomfortable doing it. But two, it's almost like you're giving yourself a safety net that if the book fails, oh, it's because I didn't go get my endorsements. Yeah, I knew I should have probably gotten my endorsements. Mm -hmm. You know, so don't, you know, use that safety net. Like, God, if you're going to do it, go all in because what else is there? I mean, if you're going to put yourself and in, in, in you're going to like actually take the time and, and the money and, 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 the, and the emotional like just energy it takes in order to go do this, you better be all in. And when you're getting those fears and you're getting those doubts, I love the fact that you self-talk. I think that's a, re- a phenomenal strategy, but it's also a matter of just go do something, mm-hmm. right? Just go do the next part of it. Like like you said, even if it's just like a visual, okay, I need to make myself a visual accountability sheet, you know, so that I actually will do something. You schedule it like Brendan Burchard says it. You just kind of, you know, put the format together and you just kind of go take some action because one action leads to another action leads to another action. And then, you know, the worst case scenario is that you don't get them back. Well, you know, that kind of sucks. But then you need to find out, you know, more people than you can go ask, right? And it just becomes that that process. So I think, you know, the tenacity, the dedication, the commitment, because you want it so badly, it's just really inspiring. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. And so our Next in the trenches question, and this is going to be kind of like a curation of some of the things we said, but I think it's really important to put all of this together. And that's, you know, for those of you guys who already have a book, you guys have also asked, what channel should I be used to marketing it? And like, what's the, the latest channels here? And we've talked about a lot of them, but let me kind of coalesce the list. And then Nikki, I'm going to ask you to build on on some of these and, and or ones that I might have missed. And really the short answer is use all of them. <laughs> we just <laughs> talked about that. But, you know, here's a, you know, a few ideas, but these are not by any means all inclusive, but maybe some that you might not have thought of. So you definitely want to take the time and effort to develop a social strategy to highlight different pieces of the book. So teasing different pieces of the book is a really great way of being able to get people engaged in the book. So giving a little insights um, into what they're going to learn from it and how it's going to impact their lives. Well, and that's the purpose of that channel, right? So so bite-sized mm-hmm. content that entices people to then go and do something. So in all cases, I think it's using these channels as they're meant to be used and thinking through that too. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, we talked about PR. We talked about PR a lot. You got to do some level of PR, you guys. You need that content that is in this the the search engines in order for all the creepy caller like you know things that are coming through the algorithms in order to find you. So you need to create some content that's PR based that's going to live in in those search engines. Um, make the purchase of your book a contingency for your speaking engagement. So um, Scott does this one and he does this really well. He's like, yes, I'll come speak to your group of 200. You need to buy 200 books. That's part of 
my fee. So it gets the book out there. Um, he will do it. He'll sign the book and he'll you know uh, customize the book for you in some cases. But it's a way of getting that book out there, but still generating revenue and connecting, again, the book to your business. Um, reference the book in your bios and your email signatures and your social profiles everywhere. I mean, it, it should be everywhere. Like get my, my new book here, right? Um, and then you can incentivize people to share your book on social or to spread word of mouth. Like, like you did, Nick, you did a really good job of this. You ask people, will you endorse my book? Will you say something about my book? Um, I think that's again, a really hard thing to ask because, you know, it, it, it does have some level of vulnerability, but you need to do that in order to continue to spread the the awareness behind it because word of mouth is is huge. And then, you know, ask directly for people to rate and review your book, especially like on Amazon. Um, we do that all the time with our podcast. We ask people to rate and review our podcast because it's really, really helpful in order for the algorithms to start picking it up in order for it to start getting preferential treatment. Nikki, what are some of the ones that you have used that you find really, really helpful or ones that I might have missed here? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I shared before podcasting has been a, a huge thing for me, mm-hmm, but yep. uh, that could also be considered under PR. But um, that's a big one. Um, another thing is is really just it's like think of ways and you can get creative of having new conversations around your book. So, mm-hmm. for example, I'm doing a book celebration party because my book launched uh, like right before kind of Labor Day and it was summer at like, but the end of summer and a lot of people, if they were going to travel, were traveling. So I'm doing this fall book celebration party where I'm locally bringing people together and going, hey, come celebrate. And while they're there, I'll read a little bit from the book. I'll ask people to um, buy books for themselves or for friends or things like that. Um, you can absolutely um, do maybe local or virtual book tours where you just Mm -hmm. say, Hey, I'm going to come up and ask everybody who I know, who may know someone who has an audience that will listen to me. I am going to just speak to their audiences. And so if you're speaking, um, you know, doing a keynote or something, absolutely. You know, if you're going somewhere, ask them to buy books for the audience. Um, but you can also, one of the things I've done is I have friends who have group programs or masterminds or Mm -hmm. an online course or a membership. And I'm like, hey, can I come speak to your people? I'll give them some tips. I'll be of value. And then I'm going to plug my book if it's cool with you. And they're like, yes. And so many people were like, oh, my gosh, your session that you just gave and -and so-and-so's group was so helpful. And I just bought a copy of the book. And so I think the more that you uh, are out there, even if you just speak on your own platform and teach something and then tell somebody to go buy the book. Like your job is to tell everybody and their mother that you have a book, that it's amazing and to go get it. If they're, especially if they're the right people for you, if they're not the right people for you, then your job is to tell them, I wrote this book. If you know someone who is this, please go tell them about the book. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) That's right on. That's right on. Well, yeah. And I, I think too, um, this is where you have to come back into it, right? So we talked before about, you know, you write the book, it can have a life of its own, it can live out there. But part of your role becomes keeping yourself and the book in front of other people so that they're compelled to spread that word. And we've mm-hmm. talked about how much, how many asks people get in a day, how much they're bombarded with information, all of those things. And so also not hesitating to tell them in different ways, <laughs> which Ann and I do that also for the podcast, right? It's like, 
send a note and ask people to rate and review and then have, you know, Laura on our team reach out and ask again and then mm-hmm. see those people and say, oh, you love that episode. Remember, you told me you're going to rate and review. I mean, it really does take some legwork. And in those instances, too, I think it can be a little tough to, again, put yourself out there and ask for the promotion of the book. But I don't think you really have a choice if you want it to succeed. And the way I think about it, and you know, I'm trying to talk myself into this right now. So <laughs> the way I'm thinking about it is if I'm going to take the time to put something into a book that I think is that important to put out there, then I don't have the choice but to promote it when it gets there. And I have to stop this fear-based feeling of like, is it going to be good enough? Are people going to want to read it? All of those types of things. It's like if you take the time to write it, then the easier part should be to put yourself out there and push for it. Yeah. It, in theory, I'm with you. It should be the easier. I actually found it easier to write the first draft of this book. That was the easiest part of this process. Yeah. I'm like, how did it get harder from there? I thought that was going to be the hardest <laughs> part. Well, and I'm speaking as someone who hasn't done it, right? So yeah, no, I, get <laughs> I totally get it, but I, I'm with you. And it. I just try to look at it as um, almost a personal development experiment, yeah. or I turn things into games where mm-hmm. I'm like, let's see how many people I can ask. And let's see if I can get through my fear today. Yeah. Like, let's see if I can do it anyway. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, your objective is to serve. And if you're not really putting it out there and getting it to the right people, you're really not doing those people the service that they, they that they deserve. Um, from the knowledge that you're bringing to them. So um, you could always see it from that perspective as well. If it feels like it's all very like all about me, it's it's not. You're putting a book out there actually to serve others. So um, you always remember that too. 100%, 100%. And then our final question here, and I'm going to give this one to Nikki, um, is how well does a book work for lead generation? Oh my gosh, this is my favorite thing in the world. Because, <laughs> first of all, I just have to reiterate, like even I wrote this book as a marketing tool for me because real talk, you don't make money from books when, especially, especially when you work with a traditional publisher, like you, yeah, I made amen. maybe mm-hmm. a dollar a book or like a dollar 25 or something. And unless I'm selling a million books in which... <laughs> I would then make a million dollars. I'm not making a million dollars from book sales. It's all coming from clients um, and sales of products after the book. And so for me, um, when I thought about this, I said, you know what? I need this book to be a lead generator because I need to get people into my ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And when you sell on Amazon or I'm at Target and Barnes and Noble and all these other places, they have their client list. Like they have their customer list. They know exactly who wrote the book. You do not get that information. Like they may tell you how many books were sold, but they won't tell you that Susie in Des Moines bought the book (laughs) and here's her contact information. They're not going to give you that. Right. Um, And so I got this from Pat Flynn. I listened to him being interviewed on a podcast and he was saying how he essentially built quote unquote, a companion course for the book, which was really anytime he mentioned an exercise or a podcast episode or something inside the book, he put it all into an online portal, um, where each chapter got uh, a section and it had all the content there. And so all of the, you know, bonus materials from the book lived online. And all he did was he gated it. So he said inside the book, Mm -hmm. you know, to get a downloadable copy of this workbook, go to, you know, willitfly.com forward slash chapter one. I'm making that up. That's probably not the actual URL, but it was for his (laughs) book. Will it fly? Um, 
And I was like, that is genius. And not everyone will go through the process of actually signing up to get the downloadable guide, but that a good portion will, like, even if 20% of people do it, then you have 20% of people who read your book, giving you their contact information, and then you can continue to market to them. Mm-hmm. And so for me, just by nature of the book being out there, all of a sudden I kept seeing my, you know, I'd go in to send a newsletter or something. I'm like, why has my subscriber list grown so much comparatively without me doing anything additional? I'm like, oh no, the book's out in the world. And all throughout that baby, it says head to www. Right. Like I have a yeah. URL to get bonus materials in every single chapter, every single one. Mm -hmm. And so that's been a huge lead generation for me from an email perspective. And the other thing is that it's an opportunity for you to really reach people who are your target audience. You know, as far as I'm concerned, I would have given this book away for free to everybody who was a target client of mine with a note and maybe a business card or something just to get on their radar and maybe like a freebie or something to get them into my ecosystem. Now I am in theory doing that, but I'm buying the books because (laughs) my publisher isn't like, yeah, go out and just give all the books for free. Right? Like that's not how they're going to make their money back. Um, but if I self-published a book, I would 100%, even if I just wanted a a certain number of physical copies to mail to people, I would 100% do that to generate leads for my business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I, I did exactly the same thing. Like I said, I've given away more than I've sold, but I don't have to have a publisher earn their money back. I just have to earn my money back, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which I've done and I've done multiple fold but, um, through the book, but then also through additional clients that I've gotten as a result of the book, right? So, you know, a $14 book to, you know, get a multi-thousand dollar client seems highly worth it to me. Um, so I think everything you said is right on. It's it's the multiple ways you think about using your book in order to generate those leads, I think is is super smart. And obviously the um the, the companion materials, which I did the exact same thing and then gated them and, and got an email list. So I think that is really, really like a, a, a good way of being able to extend the scale of your book into multiple different formats. Like, you know, even for our podcast, we download worksheets every week, right? So it does help to kind of create more ecosystem around your book um, or around, you know, your podcast in order to get more opportunities for people to get in that way. So I think that's um, a really good suggestion. Yeah. And for anybody, when I said gated, if you're like, what the heck are you talking about, Nikki? It's literally, you know, you create a landing page, a lead page, and you go enter your name and email address or just your email address here. And then they get access to the materials just in case I realized I should have been potentially more specific. Thank you for clarifying. No problem. Awesome. All right. So that's our in the trenches section. And our third and final segment is a real world example of a brand who is doing this well or not well. In this case, obviously, it's a brand that's doing this extremely well. And this is Nikki's brand. So Nikki, we want to turn this over to you. This is your opportunity to provide any additional perspective that you would want to provide that we may have missed. Um, Please promote your book. Please promote your podcast um, and tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So again, guys, my name is Nikki Nash. um, And the name of my book and podcast is Market Your Genius. And if you are somebody who is really truly thinking about writing a book to grow your business or to grow your brand, I absolutely recommend it. And the first step is to really get clear on why you want to write this book and what you hope to accomplish from it. 
Because when you can get clear on those two things, it'll help make it easier for you in terms of how you want to write and structure the book. You know, for me, I knew I needed it to be a lead generator. So I had to think, well, how the heck am I going to get people who pick up this book from a place that's not my website to give me their contact information? And for you, it might be to literally mail to people or to help you get promoted or whatever, whatever your goals are. And so um, I would, to give you some dropping last tips, wisdom, do it. If you have the thought, if you're, if you've made it this far in the episode, you are clearly thinking about writing a book. That's right. So I'm going to tell you to write the book. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Yeah. And you can learn more from me and get more from me. Uh, My site is NikkiNash.co. And if you go to NikkiNash.co forward slash, I'm going to say book hyphen marketing, I'm going to have some magic for you guys there on using a book to grow your brand. Ooh, awesome. We'll have that link in uh, the description so people can get some access to that and get some really fantastic additional details from Nikki. That is awesome. Nikki, thank you so much for being with us. This has been a phenomenal discussion. I, I, I just so love being able to have this with another author. And then so mostly because People don't have to listen to me drone on about my book forever. Um, But this has been phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. Great. All right. So for all of our listeners, I'm just going to summarize one last time how writing a book can stimulate your marketing efforts. First, it establishes credibility. You heard this all the way through the episode that when you want to be an authority on a topic, this can really, really help you differentiate your point of view from, from others, which is why... And the second element, you want to declare your point of view through your book, right? Now, remember, this takes guts and you need to be prepared for criticism, but you also want to be prepared for that conversation back and forth because that means that you've actually read it. Third, it serves as a compelling pitching tool for PR because newly published books are a great pitch angle, especially for your local radio, TV, podcasts, and blogs. And it serves as a foundation for creating a brand. And this helps you open more doors, which we've talked about a lot today, too. Being a forthright woman can be challenging on a good day, which is why we offer individual and group coaching as well as group trainings and keynotes. Check out our website, forthright-women.com to learn more. If you find this podcast of value, please rate and review us and share with other women who could use a boost to become a forthright woman.